Welcome to episode 28 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast where we're talking about how to use nutrition, supplements and habits to create an epic sleep. My guest today is Derek Henry. Derek is the founder of Healing the Body in the Thrive Academy and he's used nutrition, natural remedies and a holistic lifestyle to naturally unravel 13 chronic disease conditions that conventional alternative medical professionals just couldn't resolve. As a result of this one in a million health transformation and the knowledge acquired in the process, he is now happier and healthier than he has ever been before. He now educates coaches and inspires thousands of others to transform their health through a natural and holistic approach. In this episode, we will be talking a little bit about that space of the plant-based diet and what are Derek's thoughts? Is there a difference between being 95% plant-based and completely plant-based? And going into some very specific protocols and specific food supplements that can actually resolve your sleep. Take a listen and enjoy the show today. And just reading another 5-star review. Deepa just finished listening to the first episode. It's really cool with all the goodies to take back home. I think this is the first of its kind podcast in India. This will become a huge success. Just listen to the trailer. Awesome Deepa. I'm also getting replies from my friends and clients saying thank you. If you love our show, Please do take a second to leave us a rating and a review so that the show reaches the right audience. In the meantime, get to listen to today's episode and take down your notes on how to build specific foods to support great sleep and also to heal your body from chronic pain and the fire of inflammation. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. Derek, such a pleasure to have you on the Sleep Whisperer podcast and uh, I must say that the first thing that struck me when we connected over email was your Superman (laughs) t-shirt and uh, that was on my mind from the first moment and we're talking today about how to actually use nutrition, supplements and habits to create an epic sleep which I was also fascinated by that term because it's so profound and very inspiring to look towards an epic sleep so that was great as well and um 
I think this is a conversation that I've explored with so many people in different ways and it never gets boring. And I think every conversation has something so fresh and I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I've been peeking into uh, your Thrive uh, website and there have been a lot of amazing reviews about uh, your diet. So this is definitely an area I want to dive deep. Tell me about your story because there's such fascinating things on your website about how you've moved past so many chronic health challenges. And the other thing that struck me, Derek, is uh, three children. I'm going crazy with just one of them. Uh, so let's talk about three kids, your story, and what got you to where you are today. Sure. So, um, yeah, my... My story started, my health story started at age 30, although far before that, obviously, it started. But I grew up, let's start back in the beginning, just to give you an idea. Um, I started, I lived on a conventional farm in a very small town of like 300 people. We conventionally farmed. And as a result of conventional farming, um, we used a lot of the traditional chemicals that agricultural um, producers would, would use, like herbicides, pesticides of all kinds. And um, I believe that part of that living in that atmosphere in that environment for the, you know, the first 13 years of my life um, caused me a lot of, caused a lot of pressures on my health that kind of set me up for my health problems are going to originate later. And um, anyway, I mean, growing up at the farm was, was a great experience, you know, having your own garden and being able to ground all the time and things like that. But it had its, it had its uh, sore spots when using chemicals and other things like that. But as I went through life, you know, I got the traditional things done uh, to my body um, that I think caused a lot of body debt for me early on. Um, even dental fillings, I had a lot of those metal fillings put into my mouth, which affected uh, my health. And uh, I actually started trying to take care of my health in my mid-20s because my father passed away. I was 15 at the time. He died uh, of prostate cancer. And at that moment, um, I had decided that I didn't want to go that same kind of route, even at that young age. And I wanted to figure out a way to become healthier. And so then in the mid-20s, I did start becoming a little bit healthier. I started changing my diet and things like that. But at age 30, unfortunately, during a, I'll call it a stressful period, um, my health deteriorated really, really fast um, to the point of um, within three or four months, I went from feeling relatively normal to feeling like my body was completely on fire. Now, there was a lot of symptoms related to what was going on um, inside my body. Mostly out of control inflammation would be the easiest way to describe it. Um, I had joint pain, muscle pain in almost every single joint and area of my body, um, which caused the most of my issues. Uh, it felt like fibromyalgia or very bad rheumatoid arthritis type pain, which is what they diagnosed me with was arthritis um, once I went to the doctor. But um, I didn't know what I was going to do because I knew I didn't want to be on medications for the rest of my life dealing with pain. And I was only 30. I knew I didn't want to live 30, 40, 50 more years in this kind of pain. That was not a way that I was, that was going to happen. So at that point, I made my mind up that I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. So it took about almost two years before I actually found any real profound healing methods. Um, during that time, I'd use chiropractic massage, which did help, um, but they weren't solving you know, the, the primary um, issues that I was dealing with in my body, which is mostly all types of infections and malnourishment. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so in 2017, um, I stumbled across a site. This is my genesis moment. Everyone has their moment of how this all happens. I read an article on broccoli. 
That's how it all started. Someone sent me an article on broccoli and how it could possibly heal cancer. I wasn't necessarily believing I was dealing with cancer, but a family member was, and we were looking at this article. But once I saw it, I thought, huh, does nutrition play a role in, in terms of how better I'm going to feel? I think I'm going to try this. So I, I really dove deep on nutrition and, and supplementation. And um, I started like making a smoothie, um, which most people know I'm kind of famous for. I make a lot of smoothies, smoothies every single day. And the reason I like them so much is because it's an easy, quick way that you can pack more nutrition into one meal than I think you can in any other kind of meal that fast. So I started making smoothies every day. I'm using greens powders, all these superfoods and, and all these uh, anti-inflammatory foods and everything started to die down. Um, you know, it's, but slowly but surely the pain started to come back and back down. And then I found another supplement and this was key as well because I was on medications at the time, really reluctantly though. I did not want to be on the medications, um, but I had to because the pain was so bad. Um, but eventually I found um, a natural supplement um, that after about a period of four weeks of using it, it killed my inflammation, probably about 90%, which to me, this was the deal breaker because it got me out of a lot of pain and I was being able to start to function from there. So as I, I continue going on forward, it was, it was a lot of research, a lot of money spent on supplements, nutrition, reading, um, you know, different uh, functional doctors, you know, naturopaths, people like that, just, you know, checking in with these people. And over a period of three years um, of just slowly whittling away, changing my diet on a day-to-day -day basis, using high, high potent supplementation, my mindset was changing, everything was happening. And then eventually, after about a period of three years, I found myself in a much better place. Um, after five years, I felt almost completely normal. Um, and again, I was doing this completely on my own. So this took a long time for me to figure it out because I was going from someone who knew nothing about natural methods to someone who had went 3,500 hours of research into natural methods and experimenting with my own body. So after five years, I felt really good, but I kept on going um, because I felt there was more deeply embedded toxicities that I had to deal with. And so over a period of another five years, I went even deeper, deeper protocols, healing the liver, the gallbladder, the kidneys, going deeper and deeper until a point where you know, now at age 46, I feel like well, I was 26, um, which goes to show you aging isn't a thing for me in terms of how you're going to, how you're going to feel. Of course, as we age, will things will break down a little bit, but not obviously I, I was 30 years old. I felt like I was 80. Um, but when I, when I end up, I uh, end up healing myself, um, I felt younger than ever before. All the stuff that I had before is completely gone. No medications, no supplements, even to manage any of the conditions. I don't need any of that stuff, just my food, my regular habits and stuff like that keeps everything in check. So I managed to clear what in the end bit was about 13 chronic disease conditions um, that many people suffer from, including candidiasis, kidney problems, liver problems, skin disease, um, hypothyroid, rheumatoid arthritis, anxiety, um, you know, pancreatitis. As I mentioned, everything in my body was pretty much on fire and I had to pretty much rebuild every organ and gland. And that's how I've come to um, be so passionate about health and how I've become to be passionate about teaching others to do the same. Wonderful. In fact, Eric, when you said on fire, that is such a apt term for inflammation, isn't it? When you actually are on fire when you're in that state of chronic inflammation. And since you did talk about smoothie, yes, it's such a nutrient-dense uh, food and you can put so many things into it. I do want us to go a little deeper into how can somebody build a good smoothie as well as some of those supplements you spoke about um but did you have times of poor sleep yeah um i did but it was ironically it was one of the few things um that didn't bother me in terms of 
from an emotional standpoint, a lot of people, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's other things going on that keeps them out of a good sleep. For me, it was pain was mainly what kept me out of sleep. And, and that, that not only that, having to go to the bathroom multiple times a night. So the pain in my arms and my legs and my hands, even rolling over in my bed, uh, would cause me to wake immediately up. And then it would take a while for things to dumb down and for me to go back to sleep. That's how bad the inflammation was. And, um, and not only that, um, again, my kidneys and my urinary system wasn't working properly. So I would end up having to get up three or four times a night to actually even go to the bathroom. Um, so between those two things, yes, my sleep was really interrupted. Yeah really poor um so that was the that was the issues i had with my sleep um yeah of course and i think i believe that pain and poor sleep share a bi-directional axis and that pain impacts sleep and poor sleep in turn aggravates pain and so that's definitely a connection vicious cycle right there but let's talk a little bit about what do you feel are some of the habits and food patterns that actually uh, create poor sleep? So I think when it comes to creating why people are dealing with poor sleep, there's a lot of different reasons. And um, I mean, our food habits overall haven't been great as a society and neither has our, um, our habits throughout the day. I think some things, you know, f let's tackle the food part first. Um, I find that a lot of people that are having issues with sleep um, aren't putting together good food combinations, first of all, which is a thing. If you're, if you're not putting food combinations together properly on a, on a fairly regular basis, um, you're going to put a lot of pressure on your digestive system. And I find if your digestive system isn't functioning properly or optimally, you're going to suffer from poor sleep. And sometimes mm. people do this right before bed where they eat right before bed and then put all that strain in their digestive system right before everything's going to shut down. And I find a lot of people will have nightmares even as a result of those types of things. So I find that, um, you know, a lot of heavy products um, can cause poor sleep. Some of the products we eat, like lots of flowers, lots of animal protein, and that could be cheese, dairy, could be, you know, animal meat, things like that. I find a lot of those things um, put additional pressure on the digestive system, on the liver, which creates a lot of sleep disruptions and poor sleep. And just a lot of processed foods, as we know, and sugar. I mean, those things are going to wreak havoc on your liver. Um, different areas are going to control your hormones. Um, they're going to obviously have an ultimate effect on your sleep. Um, so from a food perspective, I think we just need to go a bit lighter, probably a bit more plant-based, um, lean a bit more towards that way. And um, I think just that general advice will be helpful. Uh, when it comes to habits, um, I think some of us don't take sleep seriously, to be completely honest. You'll hear that old saying, you know, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, for yes. me, I always say, if you keep on ignoring your sleep, that unfortunately might come a lot faster than you wish. So, yes. I mean, sleep's a regeneration period, and a lot of people are, have really erratic uh, sleep patterns in terms of what time they go to bed, um, maybe even what time they wake up, things that they do before, before bed, like watching TV up to the last minute or staring at their cell phone until they pass out on the pillow. Um, I mean, exposing yourself to these types of synthetic blue light um, really is going to interrupt your biological circadian rhythm. And um, also, I mean, there's an unfortunate circumstance where people, even with their careers, have got their sleep patterns completely flip-flop because they work evening shift, as some people might say, right? So you're starting work at nine or 10 at night and you're going through the morning and that's the time you should be sleeping. So then when you get into that pattern for too long of a period of time, everything, your, your sleep patterns really become disturbed because now you're not in the natural rhythm with the, you know, the waking and the sleeping of the planet, for lack of a better way to put it, the light and the, and the dark cycles. So I think there's, I think we'll, we can get into more of some of these habits too as well, but there are so many habits that people are, are doing right now 
um, not really treating sleep as sacred, more as an afterthought and their food habits and their habits leading up to actually going to bed is, is not helping that situation. Yeah, hold on, Derek. I want to ask you about that. Now, let's say somebody cannot avoid working in the night. I mean, there are people who are in situations where they work just, there is just no other way. So then what does somebody like that actually do? Is there a way they can eat and create habits within the framework of this uh, different rhythm, but still in a way that it supports better sleep? Yeah, I think there's some other things. Um, if, if you can't do that, and I realize that's, that is the pattern for some people um, due to their career. Um, of course, that's not the be-all, end-all. It's, it's an important factor, but it's not the only thing. So there's other things you certainly can do. Um, you know, I would say, when the big, going back to the food, you start to get your food right, um, and you start to eat more plant-based, you start to eat more greens, you start to eat more probiotic-rich foods, magnesium-rich foods, things like that that are they're going to you know, um, be very helpful for a, for a better rest. That would be important. Um, a big one too, I think probably happens with people doing these kinds of night shifts as well, is they probably drink a lot of caffeine, I'm guessing, because they're operating in different areas of the night. That's a yeah. tricky one, because for me, the caffeine is going to really upset your rhythm even more, um, being caffeinated and trying to come home and sleep after a long overnight of working. So I would say if there's other ways to generate energy, which you will, if you get your food right and other things, you can get your energy right. I don't drink caffeine at all. I don't, ha I don't need caffeine in order to um, be awake and, and be able to function. But of course, that's something that society largely has, has relied on um, for, for fast paced careers and for everything else is to get your, your caffeine hit so that you can order, you can stay awake for whatever it is you're trying to do. So I think backing off in the things that you eat and things that you don't eat are just as important. Um, a lot of people will say, what do I add in? It, often it's like, well, what do you need to take out first? You know, things that can disrupt your sleep, like alcohol, caffeine, like I said, conventional animal protein, um, even things um, that may, you may be slightly allergic. You don't know to like, like gluten, for example, if that's a problem or dairy is a problem, these are things you should stay away from if you're in a different kind of rhythm due to a career um, in order to help um, you get better sleep. And I would create a routine around it as best you can. Um, and, and hopefully many people do, but I would create a routine that when you do come home from work that maybe have a quick routine of, of calming down, you know, reading a nice book, maybe have a bath, whatever it happens to be to calm you down. So at least you have a routine within, um, within your, your alternate routine to the, the sleep and weeks, the, sleep and wake cycles, um, I would create a, a routine um, so that your body is always and your mind's always prepared to go to sleep at whatever time that that's going to happen. Uh, tell me about your daily routine. So what does your day look like from the time you, when you wake up? What does the whole day's routine? Yeah. So my routine, um, so when I get up in the morning, um, my first thing that I do is have my smoothie. That's easy. And um, when you learn how to make a very nutrient dense, you know, lots of greens, again, lots of magnesium, lots of probiotics in my smoothie as well, often. Um, and when you start to make that perfect smoothie with the right combinations and you fuel yourself that way and get away from the coffee, as an example, then you start your day off right and you're already starting off nutritionally in a good place. And then as I move throughout my day, you know, there's different teas and things I'll drink through the day. <clears throat> then at lunch, I'll usually eat Sometimes my bigger meal of the day, because um, I feel my digestive fire is strongest um, during the midday for me. And so I'll eat my biggest meal of the day so that when, you know, and again, a lot of this stuff is plant-based. I'm probably eating, I probably eat about 95% plants. Um, so when I say plant-based, that doesn't necessarily mean vegan. It just means the majority of my food is, is going to originate from plants and easily, easy to assimilate plants. So when I eat in the evening, um, I always make sure that I eat at least three hours before I go to bed. 
Um, and it's a smaller meal too as well, because again, as I said, I find that when you go to bed and your digestion um, is settled and things are feeling well there, that you're gonna, you're gonna facilitate a better sleep. So as I get into the evening, um, I typically don't watch much TV um, at all, um, but I, don't, I, ve I watch very little in the evening for the reasons that we, I briefly discussed before because of that, we'll call it synthetic blue light that's gonna be emanating off the TV. Um, I don't like to be stimulated in that kind of way. Lights start to come you know, dim down a little bit to prepare the body and the mind for, for a rest cycle so I don't have every light on the house. Um, and uh, as I go, so, I, so that's how kind of the routine will start in the evening. And then before I go to bed, there's a number of different things that I'll do. Um, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll drink um, a probiotic rich drink like a coconut kefir or a water kefir because I find probiotics are always nice before bed. Um, sometimes sometimes I'll take some minerals before bed like homeopathic um, formulations because um, I find that minerals are great before bed for a good sleep. And then as I as I get closer, you know, within the last half hour or an hour, start to shut down the phone, um, wear the blue blockers. Um, and that often happens in the evening as well. Actually, I usually am wearing them during the day as well. I wear them as often as I can when I'm looking at anything that's emitting blue light, but especially in the evening. So if I'm looking at my phone after the, after the TV's off and look at my phone still checking things related to work or whatever, I'm always make sure I have my blue blockers on to make sure that that's not gonna disrupt me. And then, um, you know, a few times a week, I'll have a hot bath. I find a hot bath with magnesium flakes, you know, some kind of essential oil like lavender, things like that really calm me down. Um, I'm a pretty laid back person to start with, but that really calms the body down and shuts it down. And then I'll go and I'll rest, you know, lay down in a bed. Sometimes I do it on this little acupuncture mat that I have, sort of like acupressure. And I'll lay down on that. I have a light fan on for white noise blowing across me. And I just lay there and I'll listen to some very calming music, not like a classical type of music. So I'm not watching anything rough on TV. Uh, you, you really have to watch what you put into your mind before you go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, it can be a difference between a dream and a nightmare. You don't want to watch any chaos or, you know, there's lots of chaos going on in the world today. You don't want to watch that stuff, read that stuff before bed because you're setting yourself up for an improper sleep. So I listen to the light stuff, the happy stuff, the joyful stuff before you go to bed. It could be meditative kind of stuff. And that's a lot what I'll do before I go to bed. I'll, I'll do a little meditative session, but however it is, it's a calming, joyful, happy, peaceful place that I create for myself that last half hour. And finally, but not certainly not last, I sleep on a grounding sheet. So um, because I can't physically ground myself, obviously inside my home, I have a grounding sheet that kind of creates that, it's a technology that creates that atmosphere where I'm actually physically grounded with the frequency of the planet. And if you can get yourself close to that frequency, um, again, um, which a lot of things offset that, unfortunately, like EMFs in your room, TVs, alarm clocks, a lot of different things can disrupt that slow, um, I'm not sure what the cycle is, you may know, but it's a very slow uh, cycle, we'll say, I think it's under 10 that the brain operates when it's trying to sleep and all those other plugins and electronics in your room are, are, are at a very much higher cycle and that can disrupt your sleep. So um, I make sure that I'm grounded and that's what that half sheet will do for me every night so that I make sure that I'm kind of aligned with the frequency of the planet so that I can have a restful sleep. Uh, tell me about what you actually eat for lunch, what you actually eat for dinner. So for lunch, um, obviously it's different every day, but um, lunch is usually, it could be a salad, a big salad of some sort, usually. Um, and that will just be complete, uh, you know, veg, well, it'd be more than vegetarian. It's probably just, it's complete plants. That's all that I would put on my salad typically. Um, a lot of times it will be cooked vegetables. 
usually it's always just a, a vegan meal typically um, at lunch. So it may be just a stir fry as an example. I may just take a bunch of vegetables that I have in the fridge and I'll just create up um, you know, a big veggie stir fry with different kinds of spices, whatever I want to put on it. But again, something that's very light to eat. Um, and something else that I'm big on, especially during this time of the season for me in North America is soup. So again, I, I make a lot of different types of soups as well, blended soups, you know, chicken soups, things like that. Soup for me, the old saying soup's good for the soul, I believe it is when you eat soup, again, usually very easily digested, very warming in the winter, very calming, soothing. Again, all the kinds of things that you want to create, all the kind of the atmosphere you want to create inside your body. So soups is a big thing, salads is a big thing. I eat lots of cultured vegetables, to be honest. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have a second smoothie during the day as well. Um, but most, as I said before, you know, 95% of my meals are, um, are plant-based. Um, but from time to time, you know, I'll substitute some other things in as well, uh, some animal proteins, but that only happens probably two or three times a week. So, um, that's kind of the basis and a lot of snacks in between, you know, snacks based out of chia, hemp, um, you know, berries. I eat a lot of berries during the day, you know, yogurts, usually coconut yogurt though. I don't eat, I don't eat any dairy yogurt myself. I, you know, eat coconut yogurts. A lot of things like that, stuff that's easily assimilated, fuels my body well, and keeps the inflammation really down. Eric, there's so much talk about proteins and there's a lot of debate in the whole nutritional world about too little protein, too much protein. So what is your take? Because you've spoken to me about a lot of foods, but you haven't, you're the first person who hasn't mentioned protein. So I want to get your take on proteins. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because, you know, protein is at the front of many people's minds. You, I mean, the saying, where do you get your protein is probably one of the biggest catchphrases we hear in, in, the, in the health industry, especially nutrition, right? And I find that um, the protein powder industry, the people that stand to be able to, you know, profit from these products, which if you make a great product, that's fine. But I think they've done a great job marketing to us that protein is one of the most important things that we ever can take take at the expense of many other things. I would argue that it's not. Um, I would say protein, of course, is important, 100%, just like carbohydrates are important, just like fats are important. Um, but I think we've really overemphasized protein personally and bad mm -hmm. proteins at that. So I don't think there's too many people that are protein deficient, to be honest. Um, I think if you're going to consume proteins, um, for example, the smoothie, I, I hadn't described exactly what's in my smoothie, but in my smoothie, I don't use any protein powders, but I use things like hemp, chia, bee pollen, and then even things like, you know, blueberries, for example, have a bit of protein, not a lot, but when you add them all up, my smoothie, you know, a 16 ounce smoothie ends up being about 21 grams of protein. And I don't do that on purpose to create it. Like I need 21 grams of protein. I find if you have 13 or 14 grams per meal, it's probably plenty. So I think what, you, what we need to watch, number one, is where we get our protein, because the protein that you might see on your protein powder is not necessarily the amount of protein that you're assimilating. That's one thing. So if you see 24 grams on your big, big, uh, you know, box of, cause there's so many, there's so many big bottles of this protein powder. Now, like people are going through, it's crazy. Like to create these huge jugs of it. And if you look at that, the, the amount of protein that's listed on that bottle and what you're actually getting could be two different things, especially if it's a highly, um, what I'll call toxic or not very, uh, easy to assimilate proteins like soy proteins, um, conventional soy products. A lot of times whey proteins can cause a lot of issues as well. I always tell people, look at the plant proteins. Um, there's a lot of protein in plants and you got to wonder where some of these animals get their proteins from. And a lot of them, that's where they're getting them from is from plants. And there's a lot of protein in plants. I don't people think people realize that. And you can get complete protein from plants. So for me, eating highly assimilated proteins is important. If you overdo proteins, 
you're eventually going to probably create some problems. Um, and often you'll make create problems with your kidneys. If you start to really overdo it, especially with the protein powders, that excess protein that you can't assimilate properly is going to have to be dealt with somewhere. Usually the kidneys are going to deal with this. If it becomes too much and you take too much protein, especially in that highly processed form, um, you may start to have kidney problems. And then we have kidney problems and you kind of get into the problems that I have where um, you're going to have urinary problems. Um, you're going to have lower back pain, things like that. These things are going to start to pick up. So the bottom line is protein's important. It's not nearly as important, I think, as the industry has told us to, to in, the industry has um, tried to indicate to us. I think it needs to be balanced out with much more, in my opinion, important nutrients for people these days, especially for people trying to heal. Um, I find a lot of people focus on protein instead of things like enzymes and probiotics and the foundation of a lot of what keeps us healthy. They've, they've expensed those at the, in, in favor of protein. And I don't think that's um, a good strategy if you want to remain healthy or if you want to come over any kind of health issue. Very refreshing view, Derek, because it's the first time that I'm talking to somebody who's given this view. Otherwise, it's all about protein. And yes, you're so right about, I think the protein powder industry is a big reason for why there's so much talk about protein. And I also personally feel that you can get protein from natural sources so beautifully. And uh, what you said about cumulative adding up when you have when you have a plant-rich diet, it just does add up. Uh, so continuing on what you just spoke about, what would you say would be a dietary framework for somebody who's struggling with poor sleep? Well, I think the first thing for a framework for diet, um, I think the first thing that a person needs to consider is to um, eat more easily digestible plants and and that can come down to preparation as well because again i say if you go easy in your digestion and and um you end up going obviously because of that too if you go easy on digestion you'll go easy on your liver i find if you take care of these two areas um from a physical standpoint sleep's going to get better so what does that mean um again a plant-based diet, I think, is one of the smarter ways to move towards if you want to enjoy better sleep because a plant-based diet is going to um, fill nutrient deficiencies. It's going to help destroy inflammation. It's going to help put your body in more of a natural rhythm. These are all things that can keep people up at night for sure. Um, if you're eating a lot of plant-based foods, green leafy vegetables, things like that, um, you're also going to be consuming lots of magnesium, which is a core nutrient that a lot of people are stripping out of their bodies very quickly um, because of stress and other related things. So I find you really need to make sure you keep that moving. And again, I said in a highly assimilated format. So what does that mean? Um, how we prepare our foods too is a big deal. So you've heard some of the things I've said, um, you know, drinking smoothies very easily to digest and break down, loaded with nutrients, inflammation squashing. Right there is one great thing that one a person could do alone. If they substitute that for something like traditional coffee or donut or Danish or bacon or eggs, all those, if you substitute a smoothie for those things alone, you probably see a lot of difference in your sleep over a period of time because of the inflammation that you would you would knock down the nutrients you get from your smoothie when you make them appropriately. And then I also talk about salads. Again, salads, usually generally speaking, very easy to break down, very easy to digest, lots of magnesium, lots of nutrient. Uh, density in there and sometimes you can get probiotics on there as well i often put things like cultured vegetables on my salad because uh, i find that if your tummy's happy you got that serotonin producing you're going to help produce that melatonin you're going to help create that natural cycle where the melatonin is going to kick in properly in the evening and help you go to sleep um, i mentioned soups before as well right soups are great especially blended soups again 
very easy to break down because it's just a hot liquid basically. Um, and if there's any vegetables in it that aren't blended, then of course it's going to be, um, those are going to easily be broken down. And um, again, very soothing, very warming, especially during the winter months, very easy on digestion. And again, a lot of nutrients you can get into soups. Um, and then I also talked about, um, you know, things like cooking or steaming your vegetables. Um, not to excess, we don't want to burn vegetables. Again, that's not very helpful, but lightly steaming them or lightly cooking them. Again, getting more of those plant-based um, products into your life, I think is going to help rectify a lot of nutrient deficiencies. Um, going to help with the digestive piece so that your digestion is not working as hard. And if you use those at the expense of the things that often cause sleep disruptions or even things like nightmares, like in my experience, um, heavy animal products, like the cheeses, like the dairies, um, like the animal, uh, the animal meat, things like that. I think I find a lot of those things, especially close to bedtime, are going to really going to be rough on people with sleep. Um, so I think you need to watch for that. And I think you really need to watch the amount of caffeinated beverages that you also eat, drink. Um, for me, again, I don't drink any caffeinated beverages whatsoever. Um, so some people still might drink green tea and black tea as opposed to coffee. I mean, there's still caffeine in those. Um, if, if you're having health or sorry, if you're having sleep issues, I say, watch your caffeine. Maybe look at that as a, as a thing of, of starting to clear that out of your life. Um, and even if it is green or black tea as an example, there's, there's caffeine in those beverages. So pair those back so that you're not stimulating yourself during the day. And I think if you follow a lot of that, that general kind of advice, um, you can start to move towards a better sleep. I want to talk about two things with you, Derek, right there. One is that um, you spoke about your diet being 95% plant-based. So would, is there a big difference between that 95% and being fully plant-based? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've been, I have been fully plant-based for months on end. Um, I'm kind of more of a flexitarian these days, or I call it intuitarian. I kind of eat how I feel or how my body tells me how I want to eat. I don't know. I think the question you're asking is there, is there a big difference in that last 5% between being 95 to hundred percent? Is that what you're in terms of um, plants? I don't know. I guess it would depend on the person um, as well. I think, I don't know that there would be a huge difference between that 5%, but there could be again, depending on what kind of animal products that you're eating, uh, the sourcing of them as well. Um, you know, there's a big difference. For example, I don't drink milk as an example, but there's a big difference between conventionally pr produced non-organic milk and raw milk as an example. Those are two really completely different things in terms of the effect they're going to have on your body. Not something I do, but raw milk is way better than the conventionally um, pasteurized non-organic milk. That's a big difference. So when you're eating your animal proteins, um, be the question of what kind of animal proteins are you eating in that 5%. Um, I find that some animal proteins are more difficult to digest than other ones. Uh, for example, fish, generally speaking, way easier to digest than chicken, as an example. And that's going to have an effect in terms of your sleep. Um, I find that even certain beefs, uh, things like that, things that you don't have to necessarily overcook, that you can leave a little bit rare. I find that those are easier in digestive system as opposed to the meats where you got to cook them all the way through because that, you know, that can create an acidic atmosphere inside your body and be more difficult to break down. So it would depend on the kinds of animal proteins that you're eating, I think. Um, whether going 100% um, is going to make a significant, significant difference over, you know, doing it 95%. Um, but definitely, I, I think there probably would be an improvement for sure. Um, how much? I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about, you because you mentioned caffeine and tea and people needing to give up. 
And the common thing that I hear many times people struggling with sleep is that that's the only time of the day that's time for me where I sit down with my cup of tea and that's my time. So I can't take that out. What do you think about that? I think that's awesome that you have a me time. And what yes. I suggest if you're having, if you're having sleep issues, I'd say make that me time a herbal tea. Yes. Make it ginger, make it chamomile, make it peppermint, Susandra, do a medicinal mushroom tea, shaga, reishi, whatever. When people often say that to me, I'm like, that's cool. I'm glad that you made, you create me time. But when they, so the question is, when you're saying that, is it me time, me and caffeine time, or is it just me and you want a hot beverage and relax kind of time? So um, my suggestion obviously would be if you're, if you're having sleep issues, keep that time but just don't drink caffeinated beverages because guess what? There's a lot of non-caffeinated herbal teas that you can drink yeah. that are nice. Even for me, for example, I can create, um, I like medicinal mushrooms. So I'll use something like reishi. I'll make a reishi latte. So I'm using things like coconut milk in there, maybe some coconut oil, add some spices, cinnamon, things like that. I can create an experience that you would expect to get at the barista, not caffeinated, still get your hot beverage, still feel good and refreshed. There's ways to do these things without caffeine. I think you made that very valuable distinction about make the me time, the herbal tea time. So that's a great mantra as well. And I'm definitely going to share that with a lot of people who need to hear that. Uh, what do you think are some of you did speak about magnesium and the leafy greens in your smoothies and salads because magnesium is such a sleep supportive nutrient. But beyond that, what do you think are some of the deficiencies that might trigger poor sleep? Yeah, there could be lots, right? Sleep is one of those things. There could be so many different things that are going on. Um, you know, magnesium, we already mentioned, that's a big one. Um, if you're deficient in magnesium, the ability to relax is going to be a bit more difficult. Um, stressful thoughts, anxious thoughts, you know, even muscles, things not working properly, that's going to create a big difference in your, in your sleep. Um, I think a lot of people are having an inability to create some of the hormones for good sleep, like melatonin, for example, or, or serotonin, um, the happy and the sleepy hormones. Um, I find that, again, if you, you know, serotonin, a lot of serotonin being produced in the gut, I find, again, if, you're, if your gut's in a happy place, you're, you're, you're appropriately feeding it through enzymes and um, probiotics, for example. If you're deficient in either one of those two things, enzymes or probiotics, again, this is going to create some, um, some issues with digestion. This is going to create issue with production of serotonin. This is going to end up creating issues then with creation of all those chemical processes that end up in melatonin. And we know, I think most people know that melatonin, uh, the sleepy hormone, um, any kind of deficiency or deficiency in that, or um, sometimes we, we get our rhythm slipped up where we get into different cycles where our melatonin's low and is, is not rising in the evening, it's low. And then in the, in the evening, our cortisol is rising. And we kind of do the exact opposite. We want cortisol to be rising in the morning, tapering off during the day and the melatonin going high. Sometimes people get on the exact opposite. Um, where the melatonin is kicking in the morning, they feel sleepy in the morning. And then as they go through the day then the cortisol starts rising in the evening and then they can't go to sleep. So I find right. if you get your serotonin and your melatonin straight um, and you eat the right kinds of foods to produce that, uh, those hormones properly, that um, you're not going to have as much issue with sleep. So those are some of the key ones I would find. There's probably several more, of course, but those are some of the key ones that I think are causing a lot of people's sleep issues. So what are some of your favorite supplements for better sleep? safe supplements with somebody who has not got a full health history from a trained practitioner 
what are some of the supplements that they could incorporate safely? Yeah, I think if you're um, looking to improve your sleep, um, there's a number of different supplements you could take. Um, we already talked about magnesium. That's a big one. Um, you can, if you get a right source of magnesium, you can definitely take, um, by the way, going back to the diet piece as well. If you learn how to make really good green juices, that will go a long way to killing inflammation and to getting your magnesium in on a day-to-day -day basis as well. That's a great way to do it outside of smoothies. Um, so magnesium, um, that's one way you could take it, different ways to take magnesium. Um, you could take it internally. Um, you can also do what I do where you, um, you actually soak in it, right? Magnesium flakes or Epsom salts in the bath, things like that. Again, transdermally, that's a nice way to get magnesium. Um, so from a supplemental standpoint, I find that minerals are generally important overall. Um, so not just magnesium, all the other minerals, maybe a trace mineral supplement often. I find, I'll tell you a second in, in what I used to do. Um, I used to always, I never really had a problem with sleep, but I used to have these epic sleeps and I found a little, a, a three products or three, actually they're not all supplements, but um, three, but they could be three supplements that really made a big difference in terms of how I sleep. I'll talk about that in a second, but minerals definitely is a big one. Um, probiotics. Um, again, I prefer probiotics actually through food mostly, but if you, if you, if you don't want to drink, eat cultured vegetables or drink cultured foods, um, then probiotics is, is one thing. Um, CBD oil is a new one out there that I'm sure everyone's familiar with. It's the new hot and uh, sexy um, supplement out there and CBD oil definitely can help. Um, with sleep in terms of calming the brain down and calming down other areas of the body like inflammation that are going to cause issues. Melatonin, mentioned that one already once, right? Um, to be a little caution on melatonin to not go too hard on that for too long. Um, if you do, you might end up replacing your body's ability to actually produce melatonin properly. So I'd be careful with that. I, I would only use that short term or lower doses, but that's a big one. Uh, passion flower is a great one that you can have in a tea or even in a tincture format. Passion flower is one that I use often in the past that I found was really helpful for calming down. Um, you know, lavender's in there. That's more of an essential oil, but you can think of that as a supplement. Valerian root. There's another yeah. good one. Um, again, you can have that in a tea. Um, Warren, if you had valerian root, for, at least in my experience, it's not a very perfumey tea. It's not a nice smelling tea, but valerian um, can help and you can take it many different kinds of ways. Lemon balm team. Lemon balm is another example. Again, you can take that tincture or a tea format. And finally, one that I actually never really used, but I always, always wanted to use, but I don't even need to use now that is pretty um, well um, researched. And, and, but it's not, a lot of people know about it, it's Cava Cava. Um, that's another one you can drink in a tea format, but uh, I think that's a, uh, an herb from the South American rainforest, I believe, but that's another strong one. Now, when it comes to my routine, if you want me to talk about that briefly, yeah. what I yeah. used to do, because I don't do much of this anymore because I'm in such a rhythm that I don't need anything I don't need anything to put me to sleep. But back in the day, I had a trifecta, I call it, of things that would really do a good job of putting me to sleep. The first one was magnesium. So I had this, uh, I had a liquid magnesium product that I would take. The second one was a trace mineral product. So now we're talking like fulvic acids, things like that, those darker mineral, um, you know, they, they have a darker, because um, they have some of the min like deep minerals uh, in the soil. So they have that, that has that dark experience. It's like a trace mineral complex. I would add that in. So then I'm really doubled down in the minerals. And then I would um, either take a probiotic capsule or several, or I would eat, in my case, sauerkraut. Um, I would take just a fork full of it. Um, so I did those three things together and I found that for me personally, it made an exceptional difference in terms of the depth of my sleep, how well my how, how well I slept even within my sleep cycle. So that was kind of routine I used to use. Again, I don't use it too much anymore, but from time to time, I'll I'll take some homeopathic minerals before bed or I'll have a probiotic beverage, but that's normal through me for me throughout the day too as well. So those are some of the supplements 
that I think people could look at in order to help them uh, generate a better sleep. And uh, share your most favorite smoothie with me, Derek, so I can go and make that tomorrow. Sorry, say that again? Your favorite smoothie, share it with me. So let uh, me try that out tomorrow. Okay, okay. so <laughs> smoothie, my favorite thing. So um, I've had many smoothie challenges of late for people because smoothie is one of my favorite things to do. So um, first of all, the major thing that I put in my smoothies is berries, mostly. That's pretty much always what I put in there as, as a fruit base. Why? Low glycemic, high in antioxidants, easy on digestion, great for the liver, and they're just tasty. Let's face it, berries taste really good. So often I'll use things like blueberries, strawberries, raspberries are probably my three main that I would use. And sometimes it's just one, sometimes it's a combination, but usually those are the three that I use. So that's kind of the, the, the one major part of the smoothie. And then of course, um, for me, I add in some omega-3s and 6s, um, things that are good in fiber, things that are good in protein, things that are good in fats. Two things I often add is chia, um, and it'll always be soaked chia. I always soak it before I put it in my smoothie, at least 15 minutes, but often I'll have a jar in the fridge that I'll just take some out. And hemp hearts in this case. So I use hemp hearts, um, another great source of omega-3s and 6s. So I'll combine those two, and again, they have all those different benefits, so I can make sure I get the, my, my essential fatty acids in for sure. Um, and then from there, I'll add some kind of greens. Now I don't go heavy on the cruciferous vegetable kinds of greens or anything like that, like kale. I don't do a lot of that in my smoothie anymore. Um, I usually go with algae as an example. I might use chlorella or spirulina or a greens powder that'll have grasses, we'll have algae, um, we'll have seaweeds, all those very nutrient dense, easy to break down and assimilate foods. You'll see this repeating theme with me, uh, keeping your digestion happy, you're gonna keep your body happy. So I'll use um, a, some kind of greens powder that will, that will bring a lot of that into it. And then I'll use, um, I'll use a couple greens itself that are easy to break down again that add a little bit of bitterness to the smoothie. Again, good for your liver. Um, things like parsley and cilantro. Those are two things I love to put in my smoothie is both of those, if not one for sure. Uh, so then when I get all that kind of stuff in, then um, from there, it's, it gets much simpler. Um, actually, lately, um, I find this is really nice, really freshens up the smoothie, is I'll squeeze a half a lemon uh, juice into the smoothie and I will grate um, the lemon rind. Um, and I'll, so you can use a zester or you can do it however you want to do it. You can even use a lemon oil, essential oil, if you have a good essential oil. But I like using that fresh lemon rind and I dice and I slice that up or really mince it, throw it in a smoothie. And it adds some serious zip to your smoothie. Like I don't need caffeine. I got my lemon rind. It'll add this freshness and a zip and of course, the lemon rind has more vitamin C and has more antioxidants than the actual lemon juice itself. So I like to add that in as well. And then um, from there, usually this, if I use a sweetener, I'm using stevia. That's probably the only one I really use. You could use a very good monk fruit or lacanto, but those are tougher to find. So I use a good liquid stevia because I don't want to add any, I don't like to add any extra sugars to my smoothie. The, the berries are enough. And then um, of course you add your milk. And in my case, uh, it's a nut milk, right? So it's either coconut milk or my homemade sprouted almond milk is what I'll do to top it up. And uh, those are usually made from spring water, by the way. So I'm fortunate to be able to get spring water because water and hydration is a big deal too in terms of your sleep and your overall health. So um, those are all made with spring water. So again, I got a nice mineralized uh, almond milk when I use the proper spring water. And uh, when I piece that all together, you create a delicious smoothie that you want to have day-to-day -day basis. It starts to eliminate the need for caffeine. It starts to kill that inflammation. It starts to get your cycles in, in check you'll really be refreshed and satisfied. That smoothie will really satisfy you too, as well. 
Um, unlike a juice, maybe a juice might be half an hour to an hour and you're already, you know, hungry again. This smoothie, especially with the fats and the proteins and the hemp and the chia and the other things, I like to add bee pollen too. If you're not allergic, I like to throw that in there once in a while. But if you add those things in, a lot of people will say, wow, a 12 to 16 ounce smoothie lasts me for a couple hours. And I'm like, and that's, that's how it should be. It should be your breakfast. It should satisfy you long enough. Um, and then not give you all the side effects, um, especially for sleep that a bad breakfast can bring later on in the day. Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to share a deep, dark secret of mine is that I would do all that you told me, Derek, except adding the spirulina. I, I have spirulina because I think it's great for health, but I dunk it in a glass of water and gulp it down and I cannot ruin the flavor of my smoothie with the chlorella and the spirulina. So I do them separately. Uh, but otherwise, that sounds wonderful. Uh, so that was a great conversation. I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. That was a rapid fire conversation filled with so many things, just as you want me that you're going to have lots to say. Um, yeah. But so many people with diagnosed sleep conditions today and so many without a diagnosis, just struggling with sleep challenges. In your mind, what do you think is the biggest cause of it? Yeah, that's an excellent question because there's so many causes of poor sleep. Um, I think in the end, the, the biggest root issue with people in their sleep is their level of stress or anxiety. Um, I find a lot of people, um, they may not eat properly, but if, they, if they're not stressed out, if they're relatively happy that the sleep becomes less of an issue. I think trying to keep up with other people, you know, you know, two parents working sometimes, a lot of things going on, people are trying to do too much and um, they get anxious, stress. Of course, today in the world, there's more than enough things to be stressed and anxious about. And I think that self-talk, that anxiety, those things that you're, you're replaying in your head before you go to bed, none of that is, is helpful for a restful sleep. And I think that's what often keeps people up at night is, is um, you know, just just the, the, reg, the their, we'll call them their problems or the issues that they're having on a regular basis seem to be um, putting them into that mental state. And of course, we know the mental state that you go, that you care with you during the day and before you go to sleep for sure is really going to dictate how uh, prominent of a sleep that you have. So I'd say stress and anxiety is probably, I think, the biggest root cause of, of sleep disorders. I think so as well. And I just wanted to complete my sleep whisperer mantra, which is if sleep is the new medicine, then so what would be your spin on that? If sleep is the new medicine, then um, I recommend that everyone take a three month nap so they can heal all their emotional and physical traumas. Because if you could sleep for three months straight and you can go hibernate like the bear, and uh, if that was medicine, I think within three months, you probably come out feeling way much uh, way more healed, way more um, alive, you know, your vitality would pick up. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't, um, don't understand is how important sleep is. So that's what I would do. I prescribe, I'd, if it's the new medicine, I'm prescribing that everybody go take a, a three months nap and uh, heal it, all their emotional and physical traumas. I know that's not realistic, but that's what I would love for people to be able to do. And thank you, Derek, for being here. Rapid fire conversation. And I think I'm going to definitely have you back in a few months because I just absolutely adored our conversation today. Thank you for taking the time out and sharing your pearls of wisdom and your favorite smoothie, which I will try tomorrow and I will let you know how I loved it. Awesome. Thank you, Deepa, for having me on. I appreciate the conversation.
everyone i hope you enjoyed the show just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only this is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional this information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services if you are looking for personal help on your health journey do seek out a medical practitioner please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro It is important that you have someone who's qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health conditions.